Hi, I'm Chris Rodell. Today's feature stories include one about Lake Jackson, Texas, the most confusing town in America. But first, the answer to a burning question for those of us who live here in La Trobe. Or is it those of us who live here in La Trobe? Hi, I'm Chris Rodell. I've written stories and features for just about every major magazine or publication in America. This is the Use All the Crayons podcast, where I'll share those colorful stories with you. Is it Latrobe or is it Latrobe? My scripted answer for that one is satisfying only to connoisseurs of small-town snark. To me, I say, it's always been Latrobe, because Latrobe sounds like a bistro on the banks of the Seine River, where Chablis sipping sophisticates nibble on biscotti and brie. And anyone who's ever been to Latrobe knows Latrobe ain't gay Paris. This was said back before gay Paris was loaded with disparaging subtext. I think my answer captures the spirit of Latrobe, pretty unpretentious, a little down and dirty. Why I felt this should be emphasized over Latrobe's culture, philanthropy, and artistry is a matter for the pop psychiatrists. Latrobe or Latrobe? If you believe the results of a highly unscientific online poll conducted on the You Know You're From Latrobe If Facebook, the locals in a landslide 75% say it's Latrobe. Respondents say it may have started out as Latrobe but it became Latrobe for every high school student on raucous Friday nights when the school cheerleaders began to rev up the crowd. All the cheers and school songs led right to Latrobe, and that's what sticks. Let's try it. Give me an L. Give me an A. Give me a T-R-O-B-E. What's it spell? What well, doesn't spell la, it spells lay, as in yay or hooray. Pronunciations taught by ceaseless generations of choral teachers instructing how vociferously sing the Latrobe alma mater reinforce its Latrobe. Oh, dear Latrobe, high school to you. I apologize, I don't know the melody. We pledge to be loyal and true. And while we're at work or play, we honor and love thee for a... Dear old Latrobe high, dear old Latrobe high. Still, Latrobian's argument has much support in the way of factual merits. If you dig a little deeper into the word roots, you'll find grapevines. One source says the word has 17th century Germanic origins. The name is believed to derive from the Middle High German trube, meaning grapes, or of vineyards. Bunch of grapes? I say this with affection, but my money would have been on a bunch of nuts. Aristocratic origins is a surprise. Besides Arnold Palmer most aristocratic figure from around here is a puppet who answers the name of King Friday the 13th. Royalty would seem to weigh in favor of the regal law instead of the guttural lay with those sexy implications. A site devoted to proper pronunciation seemed promising, but in typical internet fashion, what seemed to bestow resolution only compounded confusion. It offers, for this two-syllable word, a whopping 74 pronunciations. It gets worse. It's not a definitive list. It's Youglish, a YouTube-like site that shows 74 different speakers saying the word Latrobe in various speeches. A music historian mentions it in regards to the town namesake Benjamin Latrobe. The man was as well-rounded as his namesake town was destined to become. I enjoyed hearing one woman with a beguiling Australian accent talk about the challenging work environment in the Latrobe Valley. She said automation was taking away jobs but she optimistically said whole new industries involving creative solutions would replace them. For instance, she said, the Latrobe Valley is magnificent and would make a wonderful place for a tourist wine trail. 
Now that's my kind of problem solver. I wonder if she knows Latrobe origins involve bunches of grapes, or if she's just prone to giddy bursts of spiritual serendipity. The Australian city of Latrobe has a population of 73,275 people. Indeed, the website makes it seem like a very scenic place to go for a guzzle. I emailed the city manager to ask how they pronounce Latrobe, if there's anyone as famous as Palmer or Rogers from there, and if they feel any kinship with us here in Westmoreland County. I didn't hear back, which I found rude. Their loss, I was going to mail them a banana split. I sought answers from the browseworthy howmanyofme.com website. Tagline, there are 329, 463,944 million people in the United States. How many have your name? As always, before getting down to business, I let my mind enjoy a pointless ramble. The results? In the U.S. right now, there are three Christopher Rodells, 66 Arnold Palmers, 453 Fred Rogerses, and for the umpteenth year in a row, zero haphazards. Haphazard was the name I used on my first fake ID. And there's not one single Benjamin Latrobe alive in the land. But there are 122 Latrobes in America. I lucked into talking to one who's a blood relation of our town namesake. He's Charles Rusty Latrobe of Moncton, Maryland, popular real estate agent for 40 years. He's the great-great-great-great-great-grandson of Benjamin Latrobe. Turns out neither Latrobe has ever set foot in Latrobe. But I'm a big Arnold Palmer fan, he said. He's the greatest. Okay, then for our purposes, you qualify as an expert witness. So is it Latrobe or is it Latrobe? It's Latrobe. It's always been Latrobe. Pronounced it La-trobe. So I and many others have been flat wrong all these years. Latrobe does sound French. And like the French have on occasion done throughout history, I surrender. I was wrong. The grid is gone, the sophisticates have won. Latrobe is a French-sounding place after all. Well, la-di-da. Or is it Lady Day? Lake Jackson, Texas is the most confusing town in America. In these times of tumult and upheaval, it's easy to feel bereft. But where should you go when you're sure you've lost your way? You might want to start in Lake Jackson. One peek at the local map and you realize Lake Jackson's the way to go. Locktime city manager Bill Yenny told me all about it. We have this way, that way, anyway, circle way, parking way, winding way, and we have his way, which runs behind the local church. About 50 miles south of Houston, Lake Jackson, population 26,849, is to sensible civic planning 
what Avon Costello are to baseball play-by-play shtick. Yenny said, It's not uncommon to give people directions that include some variation of take this way, three blocks, and make a left on that way until you get to any way, which invariably provokes the confused response, Which way? Yenny says, That's when you have to correct them and say, No, that would be the wrong way. Blame a harried secretary to town planner Alden B. Dow. But Dow was stumped how to name the names of the streets and instinctually resisted common names from conformity-bound grid cities. He expressed his exasperation to a secretary. The story is, she said, don't ask me, you've got all these streets going this way and that way. He said, perfect, that street will be this way and this street will be that way. Bob Sipple knows. He remembers getting hopelessly lost as an executive for Wholesale Electric in 1981. He first visited Lake Jackson. He said, I drove around and around and kept seeing these crazy signs. I didn't think I'd ever find my way out. I completely lost my sense of direction. I said to my wife, Lori, honey, you better get used to this place. I don't think we're ever going to get out of here. Sipple's never left. He's became mayor in 2006. The confusion, he said, is an accepted way of life in Lake Jackson. I've never heard a single complaint about it, Sipple says. People think it's quaint and have really come to identify with it. It's really become an essential part of Lake Jackson's charm. It's not too confusing for a man who at his very core is a staunch proponent of fiscal clarity. Yes, libertarian darling and former U.S. Rep. Ron Paul calls Lake Jackson home. It's where he practiced OBGYN before turning to politics. His congressional office is on West Way, which used to be Which Way, until the mid-1980s when bankers interested in locating a branch there persuaded an officials that a financial institution on a street named Which Way might breed concern with customers seeking stability. Yenny laments that some of those charms have fallen by the reverse of what otherwise would be known as the wayside. The street that tracks past where the town's little regional landing strip used to be is now called Abner Jackson Parkway in honor of the town's namesake. Yenny said he preferred it when the old airport road was runway. The loss of which way and runway, also due to precautionary business considerations, chagrins the mischievous banter of Yenny. Still, he sees opportunities everywhere. He dreams of a day when he can ceremonially sever ribbons on splendid tree-shaded thoroughfares with names like My Way, Your Way, Our Way, Yonder Way, Highway, Parkway, Right Way, Out of the Way, and By the Way. Clearly, he'd find a kindred spirit in a long-ago motorist whose creativity nearly earned him a bureaucratic liberation from an careless driving citation. The guy was caught going the wrong way up a one-way street and said he thought the signs were typical of Lake Jackson. He says, there are parts of his defense that I can certainly admire. Colorful living tip number 360. Aspire to one day be as happy as all the girls in the hair commercials. They make having really great hair seem utterly euphoric. Probably is. Yeah. It's probably cool to have good hair. Question. How long before the United States Postal Service starts delivering humans? That the post office loses billions each year should come as no surprise. Postage is way too cheap. It's still miraculous to me that any individual organization can deliver, say, a poetic poem from New York clear to San Francisco and have it only take four days and cost just 46 cents. Of course, those same two hypothetical lovers could porn Skype for free, and today everything is all about instant gratification, and that's the problem needs to do something radical to re-engage the public. needs to begin mailing people. The idea occurred to me last evening when I was sitting in the bar 
and Mailman Joe walked in and announced he was going to order a drink in Klingon, and he did. Or so he said. There were no Klingons in the bar who could verify the authenticity. Tuesday must be Klingon bowling night. Either way, the English-speaking bartender responded with what I guess you'd call working man sign language. He flipped him off, brought him the same drink he always drinks. But Joe's a perfect example of why people still love the creaky and often inefficient postal service. It still has a human face, even when it's speaking Klingon. Most of us grew up with a regular mailman or woman showing up nearly every day with a smile and a stack of mail, often containing actual human letters for us to cherish. People still connect to mail carriers. Take Joe, always a lively source of conversation. He said, in English, by the way, that the holiday postal rush is already underway and he'd been busting his hump all day delivering an assortment of oddly shaped packages. I told him about the time I did a story for National Enquirer that ran under the headline, Post Office Really Delivers. It was about a day we mailed an assortment of oddball objects around the country. Items included a rubber snake, a set of false teeth, a hula hoop, and a big bag of goo. Understand, none of these objects were wrapped. We'd put stamps on the addressed objects and send them on their merry way. Delivery rate, 100%. Didn't surprise Joe. Yeah, we'll deliver anything, he said. Anything? I asked Joe if he'd mail me to Key West. He gave it some thought and said, I don't think we could mail a human being. I was determined to find out how much it would cost. I asked about the cost of shipping a 190-pound package that far. You couldn't get a package that weighed that much up on the scale. What if the package could climb up on the scale itself? I'd stumped him. I could see he wanted this to work. He's a real idea guy, and he could figure out a way to earn the postal service more revenue. Maybe he'd get a better route where poodles outnumber the Rottweilers. I could walk Joe's route with him and deliver the other side of the street, further slicing postal expenses. Multiply that across the country and imagine all the added revenue. Most of today's mail is aptly considered junk. Many kids today get their Aunt Minnie birthday wishes through social media. They don't know what it's like to open the mailbox and discover the joy something so human as a handwritten letter can bring. So just imagine the joy and revenue it would bring if during the holiday season, the post office delivered something truly human. Hello, Aunt Minnie. When Casey Old Babe speaks Klingon, that'd be Nukdaak, Aunt Minnie. Thanks for listening. Please continue to listen, check in every week, rate, review, and follow all episodes. Follow me on Instagram. Special thanks to Matt Fridge and the gang at Headspace Media in downtown Latrobe. <laughs>